You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The views and opinions expressed by Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. And all. I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and uh, hoodoo is my business. Welcome once again to the Now You Know Show. So glad to be back with you. Sorry I was not here last week and we had to do an old show. I was a little under the weather, something I ate. And I thank you so much for your indulgence and patience. Well, what a week it has been here in Texas. It's hot, it's cold, it's mild, it's muggy, it's everything. Eventually, winter will actually kick in, and I have no idea what that will be like. But things have just been tooling along here in my part of the world, Busy this week making conjure lamps, making charms, making pocket pieces, making mojo bags. Seems it is the season where everyone wants something made. And so it has been a blast doing that. 
lots of late nights putting it all together, oiling it all up, getting all the pieces in. But we actually have some letters this week. And so uh, before we go across the hall to the LMC Radio Newsroom and our own Wink Winkerson, I want to uh, take a quick moment here and go through some of these letters. First of all, before I get into these, let me say how much fun it is that some of you folks are starting to sign these letters uh, a la the old uh, advice columns in newspapers like uh, Dear Abby. So we're getting lots of cute signatures, and it's a hoot. I just got to tell you, I, I am loving it. And so let me dig into these as quickly as I can. All right. So first of all, we have this. This comes to us, and it says, Dear Professor Porterfield, enjoy the show. Listen often in the archives. Just have a question for you. I see that many different sorts of folks are doing hoodoo and conjure and that there are a lot of people representing it of a variety of different ethnicities and races. Is it absolutely a given that hoodoo is African American in origin? Let me answer, and this comes to us from Confused in Connecticut. Confused in Connecticut. Dear Confused, let me give you the most direct answer I can. Yes, yes, it is. Absolutely, without question, hoodoo is African American. There you go. I don't care who practices it. I don't care who teaches it. I don't care who preaches it. I don't care who makes a buck off of it. If they're telling you something different from that, they're wrong. It is not granny magic, Appalachian magic, hill folklore, etc., which is not to say that those things don't exist. Let me be very clear about that. There are people in the Appalachians who have their own folk magic traditions. They belong to them. There are people from all over who have their own folk magic traditions. And I am in no way saying that their folk magic traditions are not real, that they're not a part of their culture, that they're not valid, that they don't work. But when folks start to conflate that with hoodoo, and they start to say, oh, well, it's all hoodoo, or that's what hoodoo really is, then they are dead wrong, okay? Sorry, that's just not the truth. Hoodoo originates out of the African-American culture, the African-American community, and that is that, period. If you don't like that, don't do it. If you want to turn into something else, get out. So that is absolutely true. Don't ever doubt that. Don't ever forget that. Let there be no shame in that. Let there be no sneering about that. Let there be no change about that. And I hope that answered your question confused in Connecticut. 
Our next question here is Professor Porterfield. Love the show. A long-time listener, first-time writer. I would like to know, necessary to use what is termed materia magica to practice hoodoo, or can it simply be a matter of faith? And this is from, I kid you not, folks, ready? Questioning in Quebec. All right, question. I love that they're doing this. This is this is kick-ass. By the way, if you have a letter to send me and you want to send a letter to me or a question to me and you sign it something like this, it's probably going to get read more than not. Dear questioning in Quebec, yes, I'm sorry. Materia Magica is absolutely a part of hoodoo. It cannot be divested from hoodoo. You cannot just go out and do hoodoo by faith alone or intent alone. That is not to say that faith, intent, character of will, strength of spirit, how should we put this last part? Keenness of mind, uh, deep experience, personal ethic, do not also have a place, a component in the practice of hoodoo. But if you want to go and you want to practice hoodoo and you don't want to practice hoodoo without using, I don't want to use salt, I don't want to use oils, I don't want to use candles, I don't want to use roots, particularly I don't want to use roots. I don't want to use herbs. I don't want to use the flowers of plants. I don't want to use any of that, but I'm still doing hoodoo. Well, I don't know what you're doing, but you're not doing hoodoo. And I hope that answered your question, questioning in Quebec. And then finally, uh, just sort of as a, a fair play kind of discipline, You know, it would be easy for me to uh, just, uh, oh, I don't know, glide over uh, any of the sort of, you know, nasty questions, as it were, and pretend that it doesn't exist and don't answer those. Uh, But I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm I'm going to read questions when they're sent to me that maybe aren't, you know, all fluff and wonder and, oh, we love you. And this is addressed uh, to whom it may concern, an interesting term of phrase. Uh, So to whom it may concern in regards to the Now You Know show. In regards, very nice. So perhaps this person might be a lawyer. I don't know. To whom it may concern in regards to the Now You Know show. Do you not think that it is disingenuous? word I enjoy and use often, that you host this show and that you are white and signed anonymous. Well, you know, why couldn't it have been anonymous in Arizona or, you know, anonymous in Annapolis? Wouldn't that have had a nice ring to it? Dear anonymous, no, I do not think that that is disingenuous. First of all, uh, Judaic folk practice, Judaic folk magic, certainly has been absorbed into uh, hoodoo, and we see a lot of Jews being involved in hoodoo down through the ages uh, in a variety of roles, in a variety of roles. And I'm not going to sit here and try to outline all those different roles, but I will say that they have been both in promotion, manufacturing, and practice. 
And I don't find that disingenuous because I have a mirror in my house and it works perfectly. I know exactly what I look like. I know exactly who I am. And I do my best as a guest and as someone who has been welcomed to try to represent things as appropriately and as accurately as I can. So I don't think that that is disingenuous, nor am I here merely to make some quick buck. But thank you for your question as well, Anonymous, and I hope that answered yours. So now without further ado, we're going to go across the hall to our own Wink Winkerson, who's waiting, perhaps with bated breath, in the LMC radio newsroom. Take it away, Wink. Good evening. Today is Thursday, December 17th, the 351st day of 2015. There are 14 days left in the year and four days until winter begins, with winter officially arriving on Monday, December 21st at 11.48 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in the Northern Hemisphere. Today and tomorrow are auspicious days to cut firewood, cut hair to increase growth, mow to increase growth, castrate farm animals, dig holes, wean, go hunting, potty train, wax floors, get married, and start a diet to gain weight. The 18th through the 19th is a barren period for farming and gardening. Today's highlight in history comes to us from this date in 1865, when Franz Schubert's Symphony No. 8, known as the Unfinished because only two movements had been completed, was first performed publicly in Vienna, 37 years after the composer's death. Also on this date, in 1777, France recognized American independence. In 1903... Wilbur and Orville Wright conducted the first successful manned-powered airplane flight near Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, using their experimental craft, the Wright Flyer. In 1944, the U.S. War Department announced it was ending its policy of excluding people of Japanese ancestry from the West Coast. In 1957, the United States successfully test-fired the Atlas Intercontinental Ballistic Missile for the first time. In 1969, the U.S. Air Force closed its Project Blue Book by concluding that there was no evidence of extraterrestrial spaceships behind thousands of UFO sightings. Also in 1969, an estimated 50 million TV viewers watched singer Tiny Tim marry his fiancée, Miss Vicky, on NBC's Tonight Show. In 1975, Lynette Squeaky Fromm was sentenced in Sacramento, California to life in prison for her attempt on the life of President Gerald Ord Ford. Fromm was paroled in August of 2009. Today's LMC birthday greetings go out first to air member Cast Excelsior, whose birthday is, was on, is on the 20th of this month. And then also to actor Armin Mueller-Stahl, who is 85. His Holiness, Pope Francis, 
is 79. Singer-actor Tommy Steele is also 79. Rock singer Art Neville, 78. Actor Bernard Hill, 71. Actor Ernie Hudson, 70. Political commentator Chris Matthews is also 70. Comedian-actor Eugene Levy, 69. Rock singer Paul Rogers, 66. Rhythm and blues singer Wanda Hutchinson of The Emotions is 64 today. Actor Bill Pullman is 62. Actress Lori Holden, 46. Actor Ginovanni Ribisi, 41. Singer Bree Sharp is 40. And actress Emma Bill is 29. Our thought for today comes from His Holiness, Pope Francis. A little bit of mercy makes the world less cold and more just. This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom with Wink Winkerson reporting. And we now turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the Lucky Numbers. Lucky number, oh, dreaming of lucky numbers, hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Superstition, or even make me suspicious. Table with thirteen dishes, it will make me make you please. Haven't seen. Hey, that's mommy. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, open it. Put my trust in group of dust. Cause you know someday may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, that you see in heaven. Lucky number for me. Yeah. Oh, yes, and you need not just trust in goofer dust like the Nicholas Brothers because we have got the lucky numbers and the card of the week for you here each and every week. This week's lucky numbers come to us, as always, from ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not drop on over there and take a look? And they are 10, 17, 23, 27, 32, and 52. This is also a very, very good week for that number 52. Be on the lookout for it. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 101. That's 101. 327. That's 327. And 726. That's 726. And that 726 is hot right now. The card of the week is the Ten of Diamonds, a party, a social gathering, possibly an illicit one. This is a good week for social gatherings, parties, and merrymaking. But be careful not to overindulge or to keep bad company. This is also a good week to start a new love affair, but be wary if it's an illicit one happening on the sly. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know show to get the numbers and cards when they first come out. And if you hit, remember where you get. Till then, (laughs) good luck to you all. Up next, our own 
Miss Loretta from the First and Second Baptist Church of Quimby, Texas, with Cooking with Miss Loretta. I'm sorry, I messed up there. I'm sorry, Professor Porterfield. I got everything all turned around. Hi, this is Miss Loretta, and welcome again to Cooking with Miss Loretta. Tonight, we're going to be talking about crockpot pinto beans and ham. This is one of my favorites, and my family just loves it. I hope yours will, too. For this recipe, you're going to need one 16-ounce package of dry pinto beans, two tablespoons of baking soda, one tablespoon of Fiesta brand pinto bean seasoning or Goya brand adoba all-purpose seasoning, one tablespoon of sugar, one tablespoon of vegetable oil, one half a tablespoon of pepper, one small onion cut into chunks, oh, and one ham hock from the end of your Christmas ham or ham bone or two cups of cooked ham. Sort your beans and remove any broken pieces or pebbles from your beans. I like to use one 16-ounce package of beans for this, and you just sort them out in a dry colander. Then place in a large bowl or pot and cover with water. Add the baking soda to the water and let the beans soak at least six hours or even better, overnight. After six hours or an overnight soaking, drain the water from your beans. Add the beans to a six quart crock pot and cover with fresh water. You want the beans to be covered by at least one inch. Now you're going to add in your seasoning, sugar, vegetable oil, pepper, and onion. Taste the beans after several hours of cooking and add more seasoning if you think it needs it. I like to use a total of one tablespoon of pepper. Add one of the following for additional seasoning, either your ham hock, which I like to cut off the end of our Christmas ham, or a slice of country ham cut into pieces. Place the lid on your crock pot and cook on high for six to eight hours. Make sure the beans stay covered with water and check them occasionally. If you need more water, then just add it in. The beans should have a soup-like consistency. At six hours, test your beans, and if they are recooked, remove your ham bone and pull off the meat or remove the meat from the ham hock and serve. And don't forget that it goes great with a wedge of cornbread. Well, folks, that is crock-pot pinto beans and ham, and I hope, 
I really do hope your family enjoys it as much as mine does. Until next time, this has been Cooking with Miss Loretta. Bye-bye. Well, thank you, Miss Loretta. That's a crock pot and pinto beans. My, my great grandmother actually uh, would put a, a tablespoon of uh, crunchy peanut butter in with her pinto beans while she was cooking it. That's a hundred percent true. Uh, that sounds like a great recipe and one to keep you warm on these uh, hopefully getting cooler winters nights. Up next. The professor's pontification. We're going to talk about how you need to help yourself. That's right. Whatever help you need, even sometimes if it's mother's little helper. What a drag it is getting old. Don't appreciate this to get time. 
Oh, yes, that was, of course, the Rolling Stones with Mother's Little Helper. And our name it and claim it on the first song of the night goes out to Catherine Ironwood, who got the song and the artist absolutely correctly, although she shares the artist prize with our own Nagashiva Ironwood. So you have to split the cookie. You have to, you can have part of the cookie, but he gets to have like a bite of the cookie as well. And hats off to great grandmothers everywhere, George Washington Carver and Peanut Butter. Salute. Tonight on the Professor's Pontification, we're going to be talking about how you've got to help yourself. There's not going to be too much wig snatching, but there's going to be some hat burning, and there's a difference. This is the one of those moments in the show where I am deeply thankful that at the top of the show we have that lovely announcement about how all the stuff that I say on here is not representative of the opinions of the sponsors or their affiliates. You have got to help yourself. We've had a lot of stuff happening in this country. And last week before last, I briefly mentioned that prayer is not enough. It's not good enough at the end of a tragedy to say, well, our prayers are with you. <laughs> our prayers are with you. Well, kick ass. That's, that's cool. We'll just go you know, mop up the blood, but at least we've got our, your prayers with us. I'm not against prayer. I'm really not. I engage in it quite a bit. I recommend it to others. I hand out specific prayers to others. I am not antithetical to prayer. However, prayer is not enough. Prayer is not your first go-to. Okay? You should not be in trouble and saying the very first thing I'm going to do. I mean, before I do anything else, I'm not going to try anything else. I'm just going to pray. Now, notice the use of the word just there. I'm just going to pray. That's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to pray. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You, you, can, you, can, you can get on your knees and pray until you freeze to death and until icicles form off of your clasped hands in a cold water flat in the middle of winter. You've got to get up and do something. Burn the furniture. Do whatever you got to do, but you've got to do something. God is not here to be your quick dispensing machine that you pop a quarter in, turn the dial, and out comes the toy. God is not... Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Father Christmas, handing out presents to the good boys and girls and switches to the bad boys and girls. You have to take personal responsibility in this life. And you have to do something in this life. But, but why did God do with hoodoo? Oh, jeez, he's back. You know, hi, kid. I don't even, you just sit there looking at me with that sucker. Uh-huh, yeah, just keep, what is that? What, it smells like grape. Okay, 
I, why does security even let you in here? No. Okay, you you don't know. All right. Okay, well, what does it have to do with hoodoo, kid? What it has to do with hoodoo is this. We have, at this point in time, developed within hoodoo, within the community of hoodoo, root work, conjure, where we have a lot of what I call Wizard of Ozing. This is where people in trouble, people with need, people who just want work done, that it doesn't matter, go to the root doctor, the hoodoo practitioner, the conjure doctor, etc. And it's like that person is the Wizard of Oz. They're behind they're behind a curtain, okay? And they say, I want, and I want, and I need, and this, that, and the other thing. And they pay their money. And then the worker goes away and does all this stuff. And I'm not saying they don't do it. I'm not saying they're cheating or lying. They just do it off here, behind a curtain, all right? And then they come back and they say to the person, well, the deed is, the deed is done. Bum, bum, bum. And in this following period of time X, you can expect to see results. And that could be anything. Three hours, three weeks, three months, three years, I don't know, three decades, whatever. And the client is not involved. The client is kept away, as it were, from the work. I'm not talking about because of distance. I'm not talking about because, you know, you're supposed to let everybody into your house to sit at your table or all this stuff. I, I mean, they're kept away from it. Or they want to be kept away from it, even worse. And what is forgotten in all this is that one of the old names for this kind of work is helping yourself. Helping yourself. And see... It ends up with a lot of troubles, a lot of problems come out of this that we've talked about on the show. I'm going to go over very lightly, very quickly here again. What ends up happening is people start getting confused. They say, oh, my auntie was a worker, except their auntie wasn't a worker. She didn't take clients. She didn't do this, that, the other thing. She wasn't a worker. She would not have considered herself a worker, but she knew stuff. See, she had sense. She knew how to help herself. She wasn't running down every day of the week, every week of the month, every month of the year, down to the beauty parlor or across town or wherever, Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so or Deacon So-and-so or Father So-and-so or Papa So-and-so or Dr. So-and-so or Professor So-and-so or Mama So-and-so lived. And going in there and going, I got a problem, I got a problem, I got a problem, I got a problem. Because she, your auntie, knew how to do things to help herself as well. She went to her workers when she went to them for things she couldn't do, that she didn't have a gift for. Maybe she didn't know how to read. Maybe that just wasn't something she did. Maybe she trusted a reader. You see what I'm saying? I trust Mama Abigail because Mama Abigail can read them cards. She can read them cards forwards, backwards, upside down, blindfolded. It doesn't matter. She can read those cards. I go to her for advice when I need advice. 
She did not mean that she went to Mama Abigail to have her cards read about, should I pay the light bill? She knew she had to pay the light bill. Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? Okay? Winter's coming. Should I stock up on coal as best I can? She knew her life business. She went to Mama Abigail when there was something that she didn't have her finger on. Okay? She went to Miss Ruby when she didn't know what to do. That child's gone out of his out of her head. She's dating that man from that other town. I don't know what's going on. So she went to Miss Ruby. Okay? I feel like something's been put on me. She went to Miss Ruby. There's something going on. I can't get no word from my sister in California. I write and I write and I write. Ain't nobody heard from her. I send the letters. Letters never come back. I even sent one. You know, so she had to sign for it. It got signed for, but I don't hear nothing from my sister. So she goes to Miss Ruby. She goes to Mama Abigail to find out. Maybe she would go to a worker for bigger stuff. I need that man dead. That man who's been around here, did all that to whatever, I need him dead. The police been bothering my son. You see what I'm saying? But she at home knew how to clean her damn floors. You see what I'm saying? She knew how to clean her house. She knew how to give herself this spiritual bath, that spiritual bath, so-and-so spiritual bath. How did she know them? Because at some point in time, someone had passed it on to her. Her mama, her great-grandmama, a worker. She had written it down. Worker says, I'm supposed to take a bath. I'm supposed to put this, this, and this in it. I'm supposed to do it at this hour. I'm supposed to do it this many times. I'm supposed to do it this way. Then I'm supposed to get up and dress in these kind of clothes, etc., 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 and she had it. She knew it. She continued it in her mind. What we've developed to a point in our community is hoodoo, which very much for me has always related to cooking, has started to become fast food or, at best, microwave dinners. You see what I'm saying? In other words, people have gotten to the point where they just go and they order. I want a hamburger and I order the French fries and uh, one of them uh, hot apple pies and a vanilla shake and, uh, oh, you got the fish nuggets back. I'll take uh, the 25 order of the fish nugget with the fish nugget dipping sauce. Can I get extra fish nugget dipping sauce? Okay, I'll take that. And that's 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 the way they engage in their spiritual needs. Oh, I need this bath, and I need that, and I need so and so, and I need ba, and I need ba, and I need this, and I need that, and I ba 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 ba. And we, the workers, have gotten to the point where what we're doing is we're going. Okay, there's a bath and a mojo bag. I tell you what are you doing? Do you want fries with that mojo bag? Okay. Or it's gotten to the point where it's like microwave. They get it. It's already prepared. All they got to do is take it home, put it in their spiritual microwave, set it to 3.2 minutes, whatever. 
And what I'm saying is you have to learn and pick up the ability to cook. I'm not saying everyone needs to be a chef. I'm not saying that chefs don't have their place. I'm not saying that cooking experts don't have their place. Hell, we've got Miss Loretta on the goddamn show every week. And she comes in and she tells you how to make pinto beans or whatever that. Oh, my God. What was that? No offense to Miss Loretta. What was that peanut butter and jelly thing that she did? Do you all remember that? You remember the peanut butter and jelly, like whatever it was, like fucking tart or what? what, what, what? Oh, my God. I thought I, I thought if I took a bite of that, I'd pass out from just the sugar rush. I'm not against the worker. The worker has the worker's place. I'm not against – yes, it was cake. Thank you. It was cake. I'm not against the manufacturer who manufactures oils, powders, incenses. I'm not, I'm not against that. Good Lord, everybody shouldn't have to know every oil recipe and be sitting locked in their basement making up all these batches. How much trouble is it going to be for you to make up every goddamn oil – you need to make up. By the same token, those of us who cook do not grind up every spice blend that we make, that we use. See what I'm saying? What Miss Loretta? Let me. Miss Loretta said earlier, like Fiesta brand. Now, by the way, that's very local in in that tells you she's from Texas. Fiesta brand spices. You find those down here in Texas, and they're in the grocery store. I don't even know if they have them anywhere else. They probably do, but I don't know. Uh, but those are blended spices. She said to use, I believe it was a tablespoon of Fiesta brand pinto bean seasoning. She didn't tell you to go out and mix up all of the different spices that are in Fiesta brand pinto bean seasoning. She said, go and buy that. So somebody has to make that. I'm not against the people at Fiesta for making that. I'm not against people who make oils or uh, uh, sachet powders or incenses or any of that against them because they're doing it because not everybody should be expected to do that. But when you don't know how to help yourself at all, well, A, it should tell you a something thing. It should tell you a couple of different things. A, it should tell you that you've somehow gotten cut off or are outside of the culture. B, it should tell you that this hopefully – I pray God is your first time encountering the information. But it's not always. It's not always. You see what I'm saying? There are people that you will prescribe, as an example, a spiritual bath to. You'll say, on this day of the week, I want you to go. Here's how you take the – because they've never done it. That's no shame on them. They've never done it. Here's how you take the spiritual bath. Here's what you do. And here's what you're going to put in the bath, and here's how you're going to prepare it. It's going to be this, these particular three ingredients. This is going to be a three-ingredient bath. This is going to be a seven-ingredient bath, whatever, nine-ingredient bath. And you tell them, and they go away, and they take it, and hopefully they get relief or positive result, whatever they're trying to, to gain. Okay? Now, I would hope to God that they then had that written down. You see what I'm saying? I would hope to God that they would not then go back 
to the same worker or a different worker when they had the same situation, exact same situation, that the bath had worked for. I'm not talking about they didn't get results. They got results and not know what to do. That's like if I said, well, this is how you cook uh, fried chicken. And I sat and I showed you. We dredged the chicken. We put it in flour. And I showed you how to cook it and all that kind of this, this spice and that spice. And you were right there, man. You were right there watching. You wrote it all down, pad and paper. You wrote it all down. And then afterwards you went, oh, well, how do I make fried chicken again? Did you lose what you wrote it down on? You have to know how to help yourself. And because we have started to lose that, we have that situation like I talked about just a few moments ago with the auntie. Everybody goes, oh, my auntie was a worker. My auntie was a worker because I remember that she knew A, B, and C. That doesn't mean she was a worker. I'm not putting her down. I'm not saying, no, your auntie wasn't a worker. I'm saying not necessarily. Maybe she just knew how to help herself. That doesn't mean she knew jack shit about this, that, or the other thing. And she knew that. We've forgotten what it means to be a worker. So this works at all sides. You see what I'm saying? This brings us down. This cuts out our feet. This hobbles us. Because we get clients who become absolutely dependent on workers. And that's part of how people that we've talked about on this show before, the joker, the liar, the thief, the rambler, the gambler, that's how they can then – it's another way. They have all sorts of ways, but this is yet another way that they can then exploit – falsely exploit clients. Dependency. Dependency. Now, by the same token, we have separation for a different reason. We have separation because of death. And because of cultural constraints, I talk to a lot of clients who are just practically in tears who say to me, everybody's dead. I don't know. I didn't learn. I don't remember. I can't ask the old folks. They're gone now. Or those that knew got way churched up in the new church, you know, this new hellfire and brimstone church. And now they don't want to talk about it anymore. Now they think it's all about the devil. I can't find out. That's a different matter. What we've got there is someone who wants to know who's had lines cut on them. Okay, And if we all help together, we, we can all get that knowledge back out there. We have a further statement here. We have a further thing that goes on. This is – and again, understand I am not talking about proprietary recipes right now. We have workers who don't want to tell the client nothing because then they're giving something away for free. See, if I, if I teach you how to take that three-ingredient bath, and I blend it up, and I mail it to you, and I teach you how to take the bath, next time you need it, you got to call me. See, otherwise you can't do it. And I'm not talking about some super-secret proprietary Recipe here. I'm not talking about, oh, uh, well, what goes in bewitching oil. I don't know what goes in bewitching oil. It's not my oil. Someone else makes bewitching oil. That's their recipe. It's their right to keep their recipe secret. Coca-Cola ain't handing out their goddamn recipe, are they? 
the fine people at Fiesta brand Pinto bean seasonings aren't handing out their formula, are they? I'm talking about normal everyday stuff. This is like this is like a carpenter saying to you, "Well, I'll come and drive the nail." Because if I show you how to drive the nail, then you won't need me no more. I'll lose power. A, I'll lose power of information. B, I'll lose power of money. Not everybody does that. Now, we all have proprietary things that we do. I make a pocket piece charm. Made one this week. Fine young gentleman. Lives in Louisiana. He wanted this pocket piece charm I make. I made it. Do I tell him everything that goes into it? No. Of course not. I'm the charm maker. See? But that's a little different. That's, again, more like that oil. You see what I'm saying? He needs the charm. He's not going to be making that charm for himself every day of every week. He needs one. He comes to me. I'm the talismonger. I make the thing. I sell it to him. Common stuff. Where are we going to get to the point that nobody's allowed to clean the house no more? When are we going to get to the point that nobody's allowed to clean their house no more? When are we going to get to the point that workers – oh, my God. Uh, I'm sorry. I get carried away, and sometimes I don't always watch the chat room. Apparently, we've already gotten to that point where workers refuse to teach people how to do a simple home cleansing because they're going to lose some money. So what do we end up with? We end up with – Fast food hoodoo. That's what we end up with. We end up with microwave hoodoo. Then everybody says, oh, I'm so tired of the appropriationists. Oh, I'm so tired of people taking and stealing. Oh, I'm so tired of the loss. Oh, I'm so tired of the lack of the originality of the authenticity. Well, what did you goddamn expect? How authentic was it going to remain when you were in the drive-thru Six cars back going, okay, I need the supersized mojo bag, and um, I want the uh, I want uh, fries with that, and I need the, uh, oh, they got the strawberry swirl house cleaning. I need that. Uh, okay, you know, that's, that's, that's the way it is. You've got to help yourself. But there is a further component to this. You've got to have the disposition to help yourself. Let's go all the way back to the beginning of the pontification. Once again, you can kneel on the floor until your knees freeze, until icicles form off of your upturned in prayer hands in a cold water flat, a cold water rooming house, apartment, wherever, <clears throat> if all you do is prayer. You have to have the inclination of personal responsibility as well. Let me tell you a secret of the hoodoo business. I would say a way, way, way liberal estimate here. I'm going down. I mean, I'm trying to really be fair here, kids. I would say six-tenths of all people who have love work done for them because they have a love situation problem, the problem is their own goddamn self. 
The problem is themselves. The problem is what they do, how they conduct themselves, how they behave, how they interact with their lover, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, partner, etc. They cause the problem. Sometimes that problem is they pick bad partners and they want them anyway. Well, I know he beats me, but I still love him. <laughs> well, I'm not bringing him back. You might find some worker will bring him back, but not me. I won't sell you poison. And that's what you want, poison. Because you're not willing to help yourself. You want a man that beats you back. Well, we fight like cats and dogs and blah, 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 blah. But you're not willing to be peaceful. So they want the worker to come in and fix it all. Man behind the curtain. Wizard of Oz. Woman of mystery. Clouded by the incense smoke. Now, by the same token, there is a component of this job that is talking sense to people. And if you're just willing to do magic, but you're not willing to help out somebody with their life problems, get out of the goddamn business. Because otherwise, you're going to have to deal with it time and time and again and again and again and again. Sometimes we're here to say, you need to do this, and you need to do that, and you need to stop acting like this, and you need to stop doing this behavior. We're counselors as well. That's why you go to a, somebody for love work who has a good, loving relationship with their partner. That's why you go for gambling work for someone who's a lucky gambler, because it's not just about work. It's also about sense. Okay? I can go make the best gambling hand in the world for you. Do it over middle of the night. Just work on it, pray on it, put everything in it. Just oomph it up. I mean, put so much pop in that old son of a bitch that even the postal workers are going, what the hell's in this box? It seems strange and unusual. And if you don't have the sense to know when to walk away from the table at the casino or the game that you're at, my mojo ain't going to do you no good. You're up 5,000. Then you have zero. Who are you going to come and blame? Me? You were the you were the sucker that kept betting. Because you didn't have any sense. Sometimes it's my job to pass that sense on. To say, here's how you use this gambling hand. Here's what you do with it. And by the way, remember, there's a point where you got to walk away. That's part of our jobs as well. But people have to have the inclination to help themselves. And for all those workers, this is this is addressing just the workers right now, who kind of, I don't know, I don't like it, but they kind of, you know, they chuckle up their sleeves about their clients. They hem and haw and piss and bitch about their clients all the time. Oh, they're crazy. Oh, they're like this. Oh, they're like that. Let me explain something to you. Those people have taken a very difficult step for them in helping themselves. They came to your ass. They came to your ass. That means that cost them time, money, and depending on the circumstances of their problem, that they had to eat crow, that they had to swallow their pride, that they had to admit they had a problem. They have taken a step. You will find that if you give them work to do, a lot of them, not all of them, a lot of them will do that work. Don't keep this all behind the curtain, all behind the mysterious veil 
Well, I might lose money. Well, sucker, you can make more money as a goddamn butcher. Why don't you go to butchery school and go become a goddamn butcher? It's a more steady job, okay, than hoodoo worker, all right? Why don't you go become a goddamn carpenter, all right? You can learn carpentry. There's a lot of carpentry work in the world. Probably steadier and better pay than a goddamn hoodoo worker. If all this is about is money, then do something fucking sensible to make money. Why don't you go trade fucking stocks? Why don't you go do anything? Why don't you get a job at 7-Eleven? There's steadier work than a goddamn hoodoo worker. All right? If you don't give a shit about anything but making money, all I care about is making money. Well, you can make a pile of money if all you care about is making money. And that's all you care about. And if that's all you care about, stay the hell away from me and mine because you're a danger. I don't want to be with you. I don't want to be near you. I don't want to sit in the same car with you. I don't want to be on a goddamn plane with you. I don't want to be on a boat, train, donkey. I don't want to be near you because you're a goddamn danger. You're a danger to me. You're a danger to my community. You're a danger to people in need. And you're a danger to yourself. So good fucking luck. It doesn't hurt to spread this out. Let me tell you a simple truth. When you have a client and you do work for that client, whether it's all, however it goes, and that client gets results, people will hear about it. People will hear about it. People can't keep their mouth shut. And then you'll have another client, another client, another client. When you help people to help themselves so that something goes on beyond you, other people find out about it. That's your fear. Your fear is, therefore, I'll lose money. I got news for you, sucker. You'll make more money. You want to know why? Because Re- because uh, uh, Rebecca Rebecca will see Susan cleaning her house the way you taught her. And she'll say, Susie, what you doing? Susan will say, I'm cleaning my house. This keeps spiritual thing. It makes the house better. Everything's been better between me and the husband. Things going good. Remember that problem I had with the blood coming out of the wall? It's all gone now and because I do this. Well, where the hell did you learn to do that? Professor Porterfield taught me. Who's Professor Porterfield? Don't you know about Professor Porterfield? He's my man. He's who I go to. He's got the answer. You should call him up. He'll help you out with that situation you got with Doug. Then Rebecca calls you because she saw it. When you keep everything to yourself and you operate behind the curtain, you're not only making people dependent and helpless and encouraging fast food hoodoo, you're also ticked upon the mantle, counting down the moments when your ass dies. And then you help create all those people who are on the phone with me every goddamn week crying and upset because it's gone. I don't know how to do it anymore. They're gone. I can't get to any of The old people are all gone. You're part of that problem. You're part of that problem. And for all you that aren't workers who just want to help yourself, step one, get up off your goddamn ass and do something. Make a damn change in your lives, in the lives of the people you love, and in this goddamn world. Everything is not 
just happening behind the curtain. I can just get in line at McHoodoo's and go through the line and order the strawberry swirl house cleaning and the fish nuggets with the fish nugget dipping sauce and everything will work out fine. You have to do something. If your workers tell you, baby, you got to go home, you got to say this psalm, baby, you got to go home, you got to do this, you got to clean this way, you got to take this bath, you got to carry this bag, you got to do so and so, you got to take this to the crossroads, you got to go to the grand graveyard, visit your kin. Do that shit. Do it. And not only do it, write it the fuck down. So that someday you can tell your little boy, your little girl, your niece, your nephew, your cousins, your little second and third, 25th and 89th cousin, 42 times removed, how to do that shit too. Because they may not be able to call Professor Porterfield. Professor Porterfield may be laying six feet down with a stately piece of marble on top of him that says, here's a good year. He was Professor Porterfield. We liked him. He was an okay guy. You have got to help yourself. And when you go to a worker who seems to you and to your feelings to be taking away from you your own power and making you dependent upon them, get the hell away from that worker. Run backwards. And now that I've said all that, I'm going to go out the way I came in and talk about prayer. I believe in prayer. And when you have tried, and when you have fought, and when you have learned, and when you have girded your loins and strengthened your muscles, when you have taught your mind, your brain, and you have fed your spirit, when you have lived in a good way, done your best, and you have maybe even gone to the worker, and they've even said, Darling, I don't know what to do. And you've tried and tried and tried. Do not then reject prayer. There comes a time. But first, help yourself. First, help yourself and help those you love and help the world. And then, close your day by going to prayer. In the end, yes. Yes, I do believe in miracles. Hey! 
as Dr. Love would say. Oh, yes, don't you know that was hot chocolate with I Believe in Miracles and Baby. They were just doing what all of us here at the LMC Radio are trying to do for you, and that's just send out a signal. What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network, broadcasting around the globe, bringing news, information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network in the Vanguard! The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, hosted by Catherine Ironwood and Contraman Ali, Sundays 3 to 4.30. Candelo's Corner, starring Candelo Cambisa, Mondays 5 to 7. The Crystal Silence League Hour, hosted by John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6. In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7. On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand, Wednesdays 5 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern. Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. And online at luckymojo.com. Thank you, Troll Towelhead, Chief Engineer and all-around great guy here at the LMC Radio Network for helping us with that each and every week. And now, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, even though it's December and maybe it would be more appropriate to have, uh, I don't know, Santa Claus from the mall in here. Oh, no. Oh, no. From the old KXTV Monster Chiller Horror Theater Ladies and gentlemen, with a word from our sponsor, the one, the only, Count Goulash. <laughs> oh, 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 boys and girls, oh, yes, Count Goulash here to talk to you once again about the Lucky Mall Joe Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forest, California. The Lucky Mojo Curio Company is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that you can visit. They carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, including hot oils, incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and spell kits. For those who cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in the African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft traditions, who am I talking about? I'm talking about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Why not visit them in person and bring your children, your sweet innocent children so they can see the trains and all the tiny tiny people around the train and wonder if they were always so tiny and then watch the trains go around and around and around leading you deeper and deeper into hypnotic sleep 
sleep until all you can hear is my voice talking to you about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company at 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. You must obey. And then go and take a few moments of quiet prayer and reflection at the world's smallest church, the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church. And afterwards, walk into the store and browse through the aisles, seeing thousands upon thousands of items from all around the world. But if you can't get there, do not worry, because you can visit them online at www.luckymojo.com. Once again, that's www.luckymojo.com. And spend hours perusing through their very fine catalog online and ordering from them. That's right. It's the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Cavi Road, Forestville, California, and online at www.luckymojo.com. Tell them that Count Kulash sent you. <laughs> Every week, I wonder how the hell I'm going to follow that guy. I mean, seriously, who can, who can, who can follow that guy? I mean, that's just—it's like I should just end the show with that. Class act. Thank you, as always, Count Goulash. Up next, a little part of the show that I like to call Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery. That's right, tonight. On the Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery, we're going to be talking about the denizens of the dark, the creatures of the nether realm. See, I can, I can do that too. I can be like Count Goulash. I could fill in for him. Sure, I could do that. It's not as good. That's right. We're going to be talking about demons. Oh, yes. We're going to be talking about big ones. Small ones, ones that live in the earth, ones that live in the night, ones about your bed and about your head, or even those that might be on your trail. Time away. You 
found the only known third picture of in existence, he said to Catherine Ironwood, go check Facebook, with Hellhound on my trail. And how apropos that as we are about to go and talk about demons, that the winner of that name it and claim it was none other than the Grand Mufti of Satanism, that you may know, beloved, that it is so that he is the one. Tonight on The Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery, we're going to talk a bit about demons. Now, this is a very broad subject. One that you could fill many hundreds of books and many hours of radio time. So I'm just going to try to give you a broad sort of overview and how I see it as fitting in within hoodoo before the sucker-looking kid comes back in here and asks me, like, so the first thing I would say to you is that the word demon comes from the ancient Greek daemon and is much like the Latin genus or numen and that we find the Greek conception of daemons uh, notably appearing in the works of Plato, where it describes the uh, divine inspiration of Socrates. And here we are not talking about, well, what we conceptualize as demons here in the modern day, horned or hideous figures out of well, some sort of dark, nefarious, supernatural uh, world or place, um, and not necessarily at all uh, a malevolent being. But in general, demon is simply uh, a supernatural fiend, very often malevolent, uh, that we see occurring in all sorts of places. We see them in religion, occultism, literature, fiction, mythology, and folklore, and we see them uh, amongst many different cultures, at least this general oversweeping word, demon, being used. I will say to you that inside uh, Judaism, 
which of course Christianity comes out of Judaism, so I'm going to reference that. Uh, demons or uh, Shadim uh, is a problematic little sort of area. You must understand that there are practically no roles assigned to demons uh, in the Torah or the Tanakh or the uh, other Jewish writings. And uh, in Judaism, the belief uh, that uh, there are even Shadim uh, is held as being either a custom of the pious and is not considered to be halakhic. Position, or that they are outside of the normative uh, creation uh, that one deals with. So there's not a lot of, uh, you're not getting a lot of perspective there. And the belief or non-belief in demons is non-essential and non-binding and non-normative within Jewish practice. That being said, Jews totally have demons, particularly in their folklore and in their magical traditions. And they are spoken of at least twice in the Tanakh, in Psalms, and in Deuteronomy. And they are generally called Shadim. Well, great. That's all wonderful. Thanks for the information. We really, really uh, like that. But uh, as someone pointed out in the chat room, our own Grand Mufti of Satanism pointed out, what about a Dybbuk? Well, a Dybbuk's not a demon. A Dybbuk's a possessory spirit, a human spirit. So it is not quite the same at all. That's more a consequence or a part of the nature of humans that may come about. Now, all of that being said, in Christianity... The term demon appears 63 times in the New Testament. And so, boom, we've got quite a lot of demons all of a sudden. Uh, in the Christian Bible, the deities of other religions are sometimes interpreted or represented as demons. And the evolution of the Christian devil our example is an example of uh, early rituals and images that uh, show the evil quality of such. But since early Christianity, demonology has developed from a simple acceptance of demons to a complex study that has grown from the original ideas taken from what Jewish demonology exists and, of course, Christian scriptures. And Christian demonology is studied in depth within the Roman Catholic Church although many other Christian churches affirm and discuss the existence of demons. And so what is a demon thought about inside of what we're here to talk about tonight? Hoodoo. Well, a demon is an evil spirit from hell. All right. That's what an evil, it is. It's an evil spirit. It's from hell. It is aligned to the devil, and it is at best mischievous, uh, and at worst, utterly malevolent. Now, here's a thing about this, about these demons. We've talked about the devil before, and we've talked about a number of other things like this in the Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery. 
And so it should be no shock to you that both sides of the candle can be burnt on this. What I mean by that is that just as there would be work to alleviate yourself from the presence of such evil spirits and to remove yourself uh, from their presence and get them out of your house, get them out of your presence, get them off you, so too is their work to call up, to put on, to have them do, for lack of a better term, not to sound too Europeanly mystic, one's bidding, to harm others and to cause them trouble and distress. A question came up in the chat room, which was, is a, a, a golem is not a demon? Is that correct? And uh, our own Catherine Ironwood answered correctly that a golem is a lump of clay brought to life with a secret sigil of scriptural sorcery. And in fact, I would go even further and say that a golem is closer to a human than it is to a demon. Just as God breathed life into earth and brought about humanity, so too did certain uh, rabbis supposedly do the same to clay. They brought it to life. It's a way big thing you're not supposed to do, by the way, uh, in case you're off trying to breathe life into clay. Me, I'd avoid it. But now back to demons. Now, we see some of this with the use of the devil candle. This is where we're invoking an evil power. Now, we've talked about that before in this segment, specifically with the uh, devil. Yes, 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 yes. Well, you're absolutely correct, Catherine, but, you know, I wasn't going to start bringing up Prague. Maybe I'll have a golem segment. That's what, okay. All right. Everybody write it down. Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery. Some week has got to be golems. I'm never going to find a good piece of music to open with it, but there we go. <laughs> but, yes, we have talked about the use of the red, green, and black devil candles. And here we see them again. This is where, again, we're not necessarily calling specifically on uh, the devil, old scratch, old Nick, etc., 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 uh, the funny boy, we're calling upon demonic power to do whatever, to be gone, in, to go harm someone, to trail someone. And in Hoodoo, we do have its tradition of putting some kind of infernal power on someone to trail them, to hound them. Although hellhound is a specific, meaning it's not just, oh, something from hell is hounding you, but also we mean that, to hound someone, to follow them to berate them. We see demonic or evil powers or evil spirits being called upon to disturb the rest and sleep of a target. This can be accomplished with a black candle that is whispered over, often lit at midnight, sometimes with the use of graveyard dirt accompanying it. This is to put an evil power into someone's bedroom to disturb, to disturb their sleep, you see, to harry them, to keep their dreams broken, okay? Why would you want to break someone's dreams? Because when you break someone's dreams, you keep them from having connection to their kin, 
in other words, their ancestors, who might be speaking to them, counseling them, guiding them in their sleep. You break off their connection to the ministering angel that comes in dreams, and you're slowly driving them mad as well because they can't enter REM sleep, etc. Now, we also have seen, and this was just brought up, oh, how wonderful. We're Boy, we're all on the same topic here. We're moving along nicely. We've also seen in more recent years, although, of course, it's not an exclusive to that, people starting to talk about succubi and incubi. Can I get a succubi? Can I get an incubi? Can I send it to another? Can I put it in a bottle and sell it? And you see a lot of talk about succubi and incubi. And again, these are demons that come when one is in bed, and they ride you. But this is not to be confused with hag riding. A hag is a witch. A hag is another person, a living individual who, boy, we're just, we're literally right all together today. I love this. I love this. I love it when our segments just go, it's, it's, it's great. I mean that. I, it's really fun for me when this happens. In future, you won't know. But in the chat room, we're talking about what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what they're talking about. We're all just rolling along, and it's just fantastic. What a shame you weren't here. You should have been there. It's Thursday nights. You can tune in anytime. The difference, again, between hag writing is here we actually are sending a demon, or the demon has come in, and this demon is an incubi, which would be male, or a succubi, which would be female. And we have a lot of people who have some kind of succubi, succubus, incubi, incubus. Terrible moving story, William Shatner. Uh, well, what's the word I want to use? Fucking fetish. That's the word I want to use. Fetish. I mean, they actually, they have an actual, like, can I get a succubus and, you know, come around my house around 9 p.m. I'll have some beers and a pizza and, you know, date night, you know, Netflix and succubus. All right. And I cannot, I I do not even know what to do with these people. Okay. I have no, I have no idea where it even, you know, I mean, my impulse is to basically just kind of go, oh, look, the fire and hang up. Oh, dear, the bathtub's uh, crawling away and just go, got to go. Bye. Uh, but there are people who want to invoke and have a demonic lover. Here's my advice about having a demonic lover. Go right ahead. Do as thou wilt, as Uncle Al would say, and uh, go and get yourself your little demonic lover. And then, when it's all said and done, if you can still cognate and form sentences and whatnot, write us a long letter here at the Now You Know Show, care of Professor Porterfield, and I'll read that letter online. Even if it's gibberish, even if it's just typed out screaming, I'll be happy to do that. But we do see some of this within our community. We do see the calling up of demons, but we also see the putting down of demons and evil spirits. And we've talked about that on the show before. We've talked about how you can plead the blood of Jesus as an example to put down evil or demonic forces that are interfering with you and drive them off. You might want to go back and find that show and listen to the thing about pleading the blood of Jesus. And then finally, and also, 
there are materia magica in hoodoo that are said to be antithetical to demonic or evil spirit presence. And there is a plethora of it. Let's just start with my favorite friend, salt. There's salt. There's camphor. All right? There's – the list goes on and on and on and on and on, okay? You also hear that uh, this, that, or the other thing draws them or leads them away. Sometimes you will hear contradictory information, which means this person will say a glass of water left out at night will keep evil spirits away or trap evil spirits within it. Another person will say a glass of water left out draws evil spirits. Well, you've got to look at the background of where those two people are coming from and the culture they're coming from to try to have a deeper understanding. But we have that. I have even heard that one should not keep burnt matches, meaning a burnt-up match, in a spiritual space because it will bring evil spirits. Is that true? I don't know. I'm just telling you what I've heard. Okay. So we do see demons and we do see evil spirits and we see them being used on both sides in hoodoo. We see them being sent to do work. We see them being gotten rid of and put down to bring relief to people. Let's talk very quickly before I move on about what we don't see in hoodoo. What we don't traditionally see in hoodoo, I'm not saying you're not going to find somebody who says they do hoodoo and they do this. You might find somebody who's selling the fish nuggets with the fish nugget dipping sauce, and they may say they do hoodoo. That's their business, not mine. What we do not traditionally see in hoodoo as a part of hoodoo is the entire European ceremonial magic tradition involving demons. We don't have a lot of drawing of elaborate sorceress circles on the floor to summon demons into, to question demons, to make of them servitors of a certain kind, to gain knowledge of them. Although, 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 to be fair, there's some very old hoodoo work that does talk about speaking to an evil spirit to help find treasure. But again, it comes more out of that than out of the more southern tradition. We don't see a lot of the hierarchy of demons, except in so much as the modern-day Protestant church has tried to uh, taxi their wagon along to that wagon train. We do see uh, a lot of seals being used, but they're again coming from a different place and being used in a different manner. So, is there use with and against demonic forces in hoodoo? Yes. Is there a tradition of it within Protestant Christianity? Yes, to some extent. Is there a use of it and a speaking of it within Catholic Christianity? Without question. Is there some of it within medieval Judaism? You betcha. Is there some of it within normative Judaism and ancient Judaism? Not so much. A little. Ox mix. Your mileage may vary. Take it as you find it. 
And finally, and thank you, Grand Mufti of Satanism, for pointing this out, our last point, what you do not find in hoodoo is the worship of demons, the making of worshipful stances and supplanting of higher powers, God, for the demonic power instead. So, I hope that you will spend a little bit of time this week going and reading up on all of this and looking into it so that you can have a better knowledge. We only have a small amount of time to talk about anything here in any given time, and so that's part of your homework this week. Up next, we're going to go back into the kitchen, except it's probably the parlor again, because you all sent me tons, tons of letters about how you wanted more about playing cards. I mean, I was besieged by this. I was left I was left stumped by this. There were so many letters. I was just I was just sitting in a chair, just numbed by how many letters. But you talked about playing cards and you told us about using them, but you didn't tell us a lot of specific spells. We want specific spells, professor. I was just flabbergasted. I was just sitting there. Uh, first of all, it so shocked me that I just didn't I, – I lost a card out of my deck. All I had was a deck of 51, and I was just sitting there counting flowers on the wall. I keep hearing your concerns about my happiness. But all that thought you're giving me is conscience again. If I were walking in your shoes, I wouldn't worry enough. Are you now friends who worry about me? I'm having lots of fun. Oh, yes. 
so close on the name it and claim it tonight. Uh, well, that's the one that got away, folks, you know. Like, uh, you know, when you go fishing, there's one that, that got away. I'm sure Catherine Ironwood would have gotten it if she hadn't been overwhelmed by the weirdness of not only the time period the song happened, but also the song itself. And we came close in a lot of typings, but we did not get it. People were close, but no. That was the Statler Brothers, S-T-A-T-L-E-R, the Statler Brothers with Flowers on the Wall. It was written and composed by the group's original tenor, Lou DeWitt, by the way. So, the Statler Brothers. Well, this last two weeks, I got in a ton of letters. And what basically everybody said is, we really appreciate, we really appreciate, told us about using uh, playing cards. And you talked about how you did it. You did it this way and you did it that way and what we can do with it. But we were hoping for some more spells. We were hoping that you'd actually tell us some, you know, like you told us kind of the methodology, the modus operandi of using playing cards. But we're hoping for a few more out-and-out spells. So I said, all right, what the hell? So first of all, let me tell you, uh, and you know, I'm not a big self-plugging guy as you know if you've been listening to the show. But baby, if you would like to know a bunch of playing card spells, why not go out and buy a deck of spells? Who do playing card magic and root work and conjure? By Professor Porterfield, me. I'm talking about me. Why not just go and buy that? Because there are, uh, you know, over a hundred spells in the thing. Okay? More than a hundred spells. So then you could have every spell, you know, you, you, you could have could ever want with a playing card. But let me give you a few spells with playing cards because that's what you ask for. And here at the Now You Know show, we make sure that no one can fool you because we're going to school you. So let's talk about a few spells. Let's talk about first a sewn card spell to get a job. And this comes from Prophet Shahid of St. Petersburg, Florida. And the spell is from the 1970s. And to get this, what you're going to do is you're going to write the name of the man who can give you a job on a piece of paper. All right, now it was the 70s. So let's come back to 2015. You're going to write the name of the person that can give you the job on a piece of paper. All right? It could be a man or a woman. You're going to sprinkle bluestone on it, fold it up, and put it between the five and six of diamonds taken out of a new deck. Sew the cards together with a needle and thread. It can be either black or white thread. It doesn't matter. And wear this in your shoe, and you will be hired within five days. Now, when I say bluestone, what do I mean? I mean crumbled up, dry, laundry, bluing, not toxic bluestone. 
you would sow them, by the way, face to face. All right? And you could put it in either left or right shoe. For myself, I would have a tendency still to this day to advise a man to wear it in his right shoe and a woman to wear it in her left shoe. But that's just me. Let's talk about another thing you can do with some playing cards. This is a divinatory spell, okay? And it comes from the 1930s. This is a spell to discover if you will be married. Before going to bed, take seven cards from a deck. Do not look at them. Put them in an envelope and place the envelope under your pillow. The next morning, look at the cards. If the majority of those cards are hearts and diamonds, you will be married within that year. If spades and clubs, you will not marry in that year. You can also perform this spell once a year on your birthday eve or on New Year's Eve and as a good date. You know, like, well, when would I do it outside of, well, you do it on your, the night of your birthday or you would do it on New Year's Eve. Again, to see if you would be married during the year. Here we see divination and a spell coming together. Let's say you want to help a kind of a shady business. All right, like, yeah, it's kind of a whatever. It's a little, not completely legal. Well, again, from the late 1930s out of Memphis, Tennessee, we hear that you can tack the king, queen, jack, and ten of diamonds up over the door and burn incense near them and then clean the place out with lye. Okay to help a place in which illegal activity, in those days primarily gambling and the selling of uh, Prohibition whiskey, was going on. And there's an example of what I talked to you about, about placing cards above the door as watchers or drawers that we talked about before. But again, you wanted some examples. Then how about this? How about a gambling hand? talked earlier about making a gambling hand. Here's a lucky triple seven gambling hand from Professor Porterfield. For luck at gambling with cards, shooting dice, or picking numbers, you can make yourself a potent gambling hand using three playing cards. First, take the seven of hearts, seven of diamonds, and seven of clubs from a new deck of cards. Dress them with Hoyt's cologne. Then, Obtain a pair of bone dice, a rabbit's foot, and a mercury dime. Dress each of them with Van Van Oil. Finally, dress a lucky hand root, a buckeye nut, and a bit of Irish moss with a little whiskey. Place all three of these in a green flannel bag. Breathe into the bag before tying it shut with seven knots. Dress the bag with Hoyt's cologne or whiskey and carry it on your person while gambling. And that's from, well, me. That's my own spell. There you go. Well, wait a minute. What if I've got bad luck with cards? Well, again, 
Here's one from the 1930s. You can sprinkle red pepper on playing cards to burn bad luck off of them. So in other words, you're going to sprinkle these cards with red pepper and then you know, wipe it away. And that's going to burn off the bad luck that's on those cards. You're not going to be able to do that in a casino. Well, wait a minute. That's all well and good, but I'm into some of that darker. I need something heavy or hot. I need, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. To kill someone. Wow, he doesn't mix words, does he? He went right to killing someone. Well, that's what you seem to want, so here we go. To kill someone, open a new deck of cards and take out the heart royal that best signifies the one who you wish to see dead. The king of hearts for a man of some age or power, the queen of hearts for a grown woman, or the jack of hearts for a younger man or woman without power. Or, you know, they don't have too much position. Take that card and then drive a square-cut nail or coffin nail through the forehead of the topmost figure on the card and hide the card in a place where the person will either sit on top of it or will walk over it. That's pretty nasty. And then finally, here's another little spell that involves putting cards above doors. This is also from the late 30s. And as you know, I do a lot of work for working girls and gentlemen of leisure. And so here's a spell along that line. For a working girl, this could include nowadays cam girls, etc. It could include hustling men, etc. You to protect the space in which you meet clients, in which you actually have sex with your client, or if you're a, a cam girl or cam boy, the space in which you're doing your performances from, you would make a fan, meaning they're going to fan out rather than be one by one, of the nine of diamonds, ten of diamonds, ace of diamonds, and jack of diamonds in that order and tack them up above your door with the faces out. So in other words, they're looking towards you in the room to protect yourself while you are meeting with clients or you're online in the vast uh, internet. So those are the sort of things that you can actually do with playing cards, as opposed to me just giving you the sort of modus operandi that we talked about before. And again, you can find tons of those in a deck of spells who do playing card magic in root work and conjure by myself. Also, if you'd like to know a little bit more about demonic packs and things of that nature, relating back to our earlier conversation, I would suggest that you check out the Gospel of Satan. That's the Gospel of Satan by the Grand Mufti of Satanism. Well, folks, it's been fun. We've had a blast, and there's so much more that could be talked about. Like I said, we, you could fill hours of radio time talking about demons, and I hope that you'll spend a little time this week reading up about them, and getting yourself a deck of cards, seeing where that goes. Also, 
I really want you to consider deeply what I said today about helping yourself. It is so important. And I think the final thing I want to say on that before I go my lonesome way is this. Hoodoo is folk magic. When you take the folk out of the magic, all you're left with is magic. If you don't help build community, if you don't help pass knowledge on, if you don't put this magic into the hands of the folks, then it's not folk magic anymore. It's behind-the-curtain magic. It's elite magic. It's something up in some hidden ivory tower, along with all the other moldering old texts that no one knows anymore. Well, um, Johnny wasn't here tonight. Uh, he was off on yet another date with the woman. The woman's name is Diane. We found out her name. Her name is Diane. So Johnny's on a yet another date with Diane. Uh, little LMC scuttlebutt uh, for you. And since we're on the topic of LMC scuttlebutt, guess who I saw leaving together? I saw our own Count Goulash in a half bow opening the door for Miss Loretta. Can you believe that? Can you believe I met? Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, I think they went to go get coffee. Miss Loretta. Miss Loretta and Count I'm So it's just, it's just me here. It, it's just me here. Wow, I'm, I'm alone. I mean, newsrooms closed down. Most of the studio's dark, except for where I am. I mean, this is, this is it. I mean, this is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning.